1: You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify if you get a chance. really helps. Um, and I'll read some of those uh, reviews a little bit later on in the show. Some of you have written some great ones and some of you have written some very entertaining ones. By the way, if you missed yesterday's show, uh, Gary Williams was awesome. Uh, and there were so many stories he told about those two years, the 2001 and 2002 seasons, Tommy, um, that I don't think I've heard before. In fact, one of the things he admitted is he didn't really coach the right way in ACC tournaments because he didn't have the right attitude going into ACC tournaments. He always felt like, uh, very much like the deck was stacked against him playing uh, in North Carolina, um, because they lost in the semifinals the year that they won the national championship game. If people are wondering, why are you talking about Gary Williams? Well, Sunday at Xfinity Center, Maryland's playing Ohio State and the 2002 national championship team is being honored. Um, but Gary was great yesterday. You know, Tommy, first of all, he looks like he is in his 50s or 60s worst case, right? <laughs> And his memory and storytelling ability is still so great. He's seventy-six years old.
2: I know he's one of the, one of the great ones, one of the treasures we've been blessed with in, in, in the DMV. And I'll bet you his aging clock reversed when he stopped coaching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, <clears throat> even even though what's interesting about that is, I think that even today like if an opportunity came up and he didn't have to move, you know, let's just say like the AU job became available and they called him, (laughs) I think he would do it, you know? Like at that (laughs) level where recruiting isn't as intense, you know, playing in the Patriot League, I think he would do it. I think he'd be great at it. Remember, he told me on either the podcast or the radio show that um, he essentially would have absolutely accepted the role of being the interim coach after the Turgeon departure, um, but wasn't asked to do that. They went right to Danny Manning, you know, on the staff, but he would have absolutely been willing to have been the interim coach. I'll tell you what, it would have been good business to do that. They would have sold a lot more tickets this year. You know, absolutely. You know, that should be a, a, a lesson, for future programs when you lose uh you know a coach in the middle of the year if you've got a popular former coach just bring him in and have him be the interim coach so you can generate some interest the 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 place would have been filled the capacity to watch Gary walk out of that tunnel and pump his left fist you know before before a game um yeah. anyway Gary was great yesterday uh, and there were some really interesting stories you know actually I'm going to tell you just one of them, because I think you'll find this interesting. Because I find it interesting. Coaching and teaching, and maybe you will come up with other professions. But those two in particular, you have a chance to make an impact on young people as a coach or a teacher. In the case of a coach, maybe more so than a teacher, especially a coach that wins a national championship, You then get to develop a relationship with these people that you've influenced as young people when they become adults. Gary was talking about, you know, the relationship and the tight-knit relationship that he has with these people who are now 40, 41, and 42 years old. And it's just a completely different dynamic, right? You know, uh, and the relationship... Uh, with these, with these people, and I've, I've heard, you know, from several players about how much they love and respect Gary and how it's different now than it was when they were playing for him, but they respected, you know, the hell out of him when they were playing for him. But it's, it's, uh, what other professions do you have that ability? You know,
2: podcasting,
1: I think <laughs>
2: podcasters, we, I think we have that kind of impact on young people.
1: I know, but we don't get to to know him. Um, The other thing that was done on the podcast yesterday um, annoyed some of you, but I was very surprised many of you really enjoyed it. I did, Tommy, on the podcast yesterday, um, a deep dive, if you will, um, into Kirk Cousins uh, with this guy, Phil Mackey, who does a big-time show in Minneapolis, and he has a big YouTube show with... Um, a longtime writer in the market. Uh, the guy's name is Judd. I'm sorry, I forget the guy's last name. <clears throat> the guy that I had on the show is Phil Mackey. And we got into what I thought was a very reasonable, cordial debate um, between somebody who really likes Kirk Cousins, that would be me, and somebody in Minnesota who is ready to move on from Kirk Cousins and quickly. Um, And it's what's just so interesting is the two cities that have had him and the conversations that we can share and the experiences are so similar and the polarization of the fan bases because of this one particular player is amazing. Kirk Cousins is a polarizing figure in the NFL. It's and he's just he's a good quarterback like he's a really good quarterback he's not an elite quarterback he's really good but man there is so much conversation among NFL fans and certainly Vikings fans and Skins fans about Kirk Cousins but this if you missed it yesterday Phil Mackey he was really good and I really enjoyed the conversation a friend of mine listens or watches their show and I've seen it a couple of times as well um, and in fact some people have compared it to you and I. Phil is more kind of um, like me, and this old curmudgeony uh writer, Judd, I think his name is, is more like you, but they get along great, and the conversations are great. Not that you're curmudgeon Um but anyway.
2: No, I'm not. I- I'm not, but, oh, uh, well, that's good.
1: Listen, that, that,
2: that, that's, that's good. Look, yeah, Kirk Cousins, you know, he said it in his book that he hated the night he was drafted by the Redskins by Washington football. And it really, in a way, has ruined his life in the NFL. If he had just gone to another team uh, and just been Kirk Cousins coming out of Michigan State, you know, uh, I think he just would be another quarterback that frustrated some people uh, because of his inability to win big games. uh, You know, and but... uh, but I just think his career would not nearly be as polarizing if he had played for another team. I mean, it's, he's just got this curse on him from, from this organization. I mean, he's well-paid, but uh, he'll always carry this, the, the curse of the Washington
1: football team with him. Ruined his life. This man is worth hundreds of millions of dollars now.
2: Well, Ryan knowing that the perception of his NFL career. I, I
1: I don't think that's the way Minnesota people view it, the getting drafted in Washington. That's not why he's polarizing in Minnesota. He's polarizing I think look, there's still a portion of our fan base that still thinks that RG three was much better than Kirk Cousins even now. I mean, those I think they're few and far between now, but whatever. Um, I think that the reason he's a polarizing figure is because very few people in the history of the game have been far less than elite. Again, in my view, he's always been a really good quarterback. You know, somewhere between that, you know, 8 and 14 range, depending on the, you know, I've never called him elite. You know, for those of you that said, oh, Sheehan thinks he's Tom Brady. Not true. I think it's the fact that he played the system so well now, Washington gave him the opportunity to do it by not signing him to a long-term deal when the opportunity existed. And then he got on this franchise tag path, which set him up for this incredible deal, two deals he got in Minnesota, really the first one being pretty much the first guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract in the history of the league. And now with you know $35 million already committed to him next year, a $45 million salary cap hit, I think it's the combination of this incredible you know, uh, success he's had, he and his agent, Mike McCartney, have had in playing the system to create an unbelievable windfall of c- contractual compensation for a quarterback that then becomes debated as somebody who sucks or somebody who's great, rather than the truth, which is, He's good. He's a good quarterback. You, you'd be hard-pressed to find 9, 10 guys, 11 guys that you would want, you know, before him. But you could find 10 or 11 or 12 guys that you'd prefer before him. Yet he's made so much more money than most of those in front of him. I think that's it. I think it's the contract. Okay. Anything else?
2: I got nothing else to say about Kirk Cousins.
1: Good. Um, what were you going to tell me um, that you just saw outside your window right before we started recording the podcast?
2: Well, I've been watching these guys uh, tear up an old parking pad. It has to be about 30 yards long. Uh, and uh, put in new, uh, like, parking bricks or grids or, or whatever. And they're work. they working hard all day until sunset. And uh, I've I realized—not this revelation—but I've never worked that hard in my entire life.
1: You never had a I real even, hands job.
2: Well, I did. I mean, I look. I, 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 the hardest job I ever had was working for UPS unloading trucks and loading trucks. Well, that's a
1: that's and not a manual labor job. But
2: but not no, I'm watching these guys, these guys are working. I mean, it, it's it's hot out here, you know, they 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 they're doing really hard work. And loading and unloading trucks while it was harder than what I do now. It's still not comparable to what these guys do. And I was just thankful, you know, that I never really had to work that hard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was thankful for it,
1: you know, um, because
2: that, that could have easily been the case because I'm telling you, for a good part of my life and even to this day, to some extent, I've been kind of a fuck up, you know, who just happened to fall into something he likes to do, <laughs> we're, you know, if it wasn't for this, God only knows what, what would have happened to me. I'd be, You know what I'd be? I, I'd be a retired postal worker. That's what I'd be. And who knows what would happen to me then?
1: I have so much going through my mind right now. I just wonder whether or not I'm going to really spark you here or not. I don't feel like doing it. Um, the only thing I'll say is, were you one of those people where you were such a fuck up that people said to you? Because back in the day, this is probably something that you know parents or teachers may have said to somebody like you. And that is, you know, Tom... I think trade school's probably the right route for you.
2: <laughs> well, those are the ones. That would, here's, here's, here's what I used to get, and this happened to a couple of my friends. I'd be hanging around with some friends, and an adult, an adult would see them hanging around with me, and then they'd see them later on, and that adult would ask them, what are you hanging around with that guy for? You're such <laughs> a dope. I used to get that but, a lot.
1: But, you, but the thing is, is you, you, you've obviously never been a dope. And by the way, the trade school thing, obviously, you know, you're telling me that you probably wouldn't have been very good working as a as a plumber and electrician because they work really oh, no. hard. Oh, um, no, no, but, no. But um, but why why did people think that you were a dope? Because you you obviously weren't stupid. Uh, have I ever asked you, were you a good student or not?
2: Oh, my God. In high school, Kevin, I barely got out of high school. Really? I mean, I tell you what.
1: This is is my
2: average in high school. My average in high school was seventy, low C. Really? And I took I took the easy. I took the
1: general courses: general math, general science. But but I don't understand because you're. Was it you you were just looking for the easiest path? Well, you know what? Okay,
2: and that's it goes into the Tom Lavero story. But there was a time when I was younger, like from ten to fourteen, where I was sick because when i was in elementary school you told, i was you've told me that student. before.
1: Yeah, you've told me that before.
2: Right. And and that got me on a path a different path okay. and then when i got out of that i was just more i was more interested in, in having fun right. and learning. I mean, school was was uh, was like a, a, a camp for me. I was interested in just making people laugh and having fun and that was pretty much it.
0: <laughs> and
2: uh, I mean, you know, and many a teacher, i mean, i had teachers say to me, you know, you're not going to amount to uh, shit when you grow up more or less and I, I really didn't care at the time you know because i didn't look past the next day but i did not have to ever have to work this hard in my life and i i admire these guys and respect these guys tremendously for the hard work they're doing here uh
1: i i had um i had some manual jobs I mean, forget about the kids' jobs, like cutting lawns and stuff like that. I I worked some construction jobs for my father's business for multiple summers, like hard-ass construction jobs. I remember one summer with my friend Mike Joseph, uh, and if, Michael, you're listening to this, because we will talk about it a lot and we have during the course of our life. I mean, it was up at 5 a.m., um, you know, there was one specific house I'll never forget that we were working on. It was a house that had had a fire, and our first job was basically to clean the house up after the fire damage. That was a that was a long couple of months in a very hot, you know, summer during a very hot summer. Um, you know, somewhere I think in northeast or southeast. Uh, DC. But but my 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 father was very much, you know, when I was young, he's like, you, you've got to get a job. I mean, I had paper routes. I cut lawns. I always worked, always worked going back to, you know, 12, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. Tommy, one of the first jobs I had, I don't know if I've told you this before. I worked, my father, when my parents split up, my father lived in an apartment building right across from a 7-Eleven. And I was 14 years old, and that 7-Eleven had pinball machines in it. So my, my buddies and I, we would be there until all hours of the night playing pinball. And my good friend Andy Truesdale yeah. was, our, was the best pinball player. So we would give him the first quarter, and he would get, you know, the 10 free games, and then we would play all night. Um, but I... Applied for a job there, lied and said that I was 16 because you had to be 16, um, lied about my age. And one of the first jobs, like like legitimate like b- payroll jobs, I had was working at 7-Eleven, where my job was to arrive at 3 a.m. This was a summer job. I got in at 3 a.m. I worked from 3 to 11. And my, my job initially was basically to be the coffee maker. And then quickly they realized that I was pretty much more capable than almost everybody else working at the 7-Eleven. So they put me on the register really quickly. But that was one of the first jobs. That's not a manual labor job. But I remember having to get up at 3am um, to go into that job and sitting there making you know all the coffee and st- stocking shelves and the whole thing. But the construction jobs, um, and the one summer in particular, that was brutal work. I also kind of worked yeah. part time as, you know, a custodial person at a country club when I was like 15 with my friend Mick. Um and I think I've told you that story. We we uh we basically um borrowed uh shall I say one of the golf carts from the place and we both had paper routes. Um we were 14 14 or 15 something like that. So we would use the golf cart uh to uh, deliver our papers and then we would we would drive that to um get breakfast somewhere on major roads and then we would take it to work and just drop it back off and let them juice it and then we would take it home with us at night. <laughs> um we we borrowed we borrowed golf carts and uh, you know we also had a car um at at 14 years old uh, without a license i think i've told you that story before we bought a car for a stolen car for ten dollars the battery was worth 50 uh we got our friend colin gillespie um not the villanova basketball player by the way um another colin gillespie to pay for the battery at uh, sears and we had that car for the whole summer um, went to took it to Memorial Stadium, Tommy, a couple times to watch Orioles games just for the hell of it. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes to all of those workers building new parking pads. Bless all of you. You're 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 the salt yes. of the earth. I agree. Okay. Anything else <laughs> on that? No, that's it. We just did one As of those day things we never down here. We did. We just did one of those things that we always say we should do, which is. Tell us something about our tell, tell me something about you that I don't know um, and you just did, and maybe I did. I don't know if I did or didn't Well, the 7/11 job I don't think I've ever told you about. By the way, the no, guy that owned, I didn't know that the guy that owned the 7/11 uh, shot himself, uh, killed himself with a gun. Um, not when I not because yeah. not because I was such a bad employee um, but it was like five years okay. five years afterwards he he was very nice but he was definitely a little bit off uh, he was definitely not totally normal and obviously he was clearly very depressed, which is very sad but I do remember um when he shot and killed himself he didn't do it in the seven eleven he did it somewhere else um okay, that's a great start to the show. When we come back after these messages from some of our sponsors, we've got to get into the story that Channel 9 broke about the three stadium locations. Also, we will talk some Washington football team, Washington Commanders, uh, because Diana Russini was on the radio show with me today and actually broke some news uh, on the show. We'll get to that. Um, We want to talk Doug Williams and a couple of other things. We'll get to it right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Channel 9, um, and the gentleman's name is Eric Flack, wrote this story for WUSA Channel 9 here locally. Um, And basically, um, he said that uh, WUSA 9 went in search of tax plans for the new football stadium, but they found so much more. And I guess this is public information, uh, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. But the bottom line is the information that they found is that they found the three potential locations of where the new football stadium will or will be considered to be built in Virginia. Um, The documents which WUSA 9 agreed not to show but has permission to report are marked Washington Football Team Master Plan Workshop, dated 12-22-2021, and they're broken into three separate plans. They call it Master Plan Site A, Master Plan Site B, and Master Plan Site C. Site C is the closest proposed location to Washington, D.C., roughly 11 miles from downtown in Sterling, Virginia. According to that plan, the stadium would be built on the site of Loudoun Quarries in Loudoun County. The proposed stadium site in Sterling likely sits in the busiest of the three commercial areas off Old Ox Road. We know where that is um, because it's, you know, getting near Redsk- Ashburn and Redskins Park, just minutes from Dulles Airport. Let me just say this on site C, master plan site C. Do you think Sterling is eleven miles from downtown doesn't it no. seem like a lot more than that? yeah, that's a crow flies maybe yeah um site B is twenty six miles from downtown d c in Prince William County. The location is right off i ninety five in Woodbridge, accessible by telegraph road in commercial residential streets. As I read through this and you hear me laughing, understand it's not meant to be pretentious or it's not meant to be like the other side of the bridge or the other side of the river being Maryland talk. I'm just looking at these locations understanding how far away they are from me and from most of the fan base. Um, according to the plans, the Woodbridge Stadium site would be would back right up against an existing neighborhood on Summit, Summit School Road. Um... Then we get to site A, the most surprising of Virginia's three potential stadium sites. It sits 35 miles from downtown D.C. in Dumfries, in a Prince William County (laughs) development known as Potomac Shores. Potomac Shores is a development in progress with new construction going up across the land on which the stadium would be built. Okay. Um, while they, they say the Dumfries Stadium site has the most room to grow sitting right on the Potomac River down in Dumfries, but it's also the furthest from DC. Look, I'm, you know, uh, I saw that JP Finley put like a map out. Um, I, I didn't know that JP Finley knew how to get anywhere other than from his house in Bethesda to, con- to a congressional country club and back. Um, but beside that, um, uh, 35 miles, Dumfries? Okay, I'll just I'll take them at their word. This is what should have come up in the meeting when, they were, when, when somebody, old Bill in the meeting said, hey, we got this site in Dumfries. If I'm in that meeting, just like what I would have said, no, you can't do Sean Taylor's retirement jersey two days before. And by the way, that's not the next jersey that should be retired. Oh, and by the way, the dates on that crest thing are wrong. Uh, when old Bill brought up site A, I would have said, "I'm sorry, where is it? Dumfries." Yeah, that one's not going to be considered. We can strike that one from the list right now, boys and girls. That one's off the list. Oh, but it's a wonderful location, and there's lots of land. Great, let's build. Let's let's invest in the property, and we can build some real estate. We can build some townhomes down there. Uh, we're not building our stadium in Dumfries. First of all, and I know that I know what the answer is, but I'm just saying that I bet you a lot of people don't even know that Dumfries is part of the DMV, like the actual metro DC area. P- Dumfries is what you drive by on the way to Richmond, and it takes a long yes. time just to get to Dumfries. Like, you almost feel like you're almost in Fredericksburg anyway. When you get to Dumfries, hell, I feel that way about Woodbridge, and that's Site B. Uh, Yeah, I mean, what are they doing? What What are they they doing?
2: There's, there's so much going on here. Uh, None of it good. If you're a uh, Washington Commanders fan, I mean, just the fact that 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 Dan Snyder and his team has been driven so far away from the city that. This is; these are the sites that they have to look at for a new home. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, that sets an indication of how how on the outs they are. Again, you know, again, I mean, I I repeat myself on this, but Jack Kent Cook had three Super Bowls in his back pocket, and he wound up in Landover. Okay, not where he wanted to be.
1: Right, but there was a reason so, for that. He wanted it built and built quickly and done quickly so he could see the result before he passed away, yeah, which but, he didn't but, get to do.
2: But he'd been trying he's been know. trying to get it built for ten years. Right. Ten years from the time he started trying with I might want to point out Marion Barry, way before Mayor Sharon Pratt Kelly came along. Yeah. Pratt- yeah. So uh so I mean it's just just this is like an exercise in futility, I think. And there's one thing again. All this, like this, legislature, this funding being put forth by the state legislature in Virginia—it's it's, it's nonsense. It's nonsense because you have to you have to go through a process, public hearings, things like this to get a stadium built in in a community. And Virginia is so well known for not in my backyard. I mean, they're they're good at this. You know, so there's such a long way between these sites, be, between the so-called funding and an actual uh, stadium being built. I'm still very skeptical of that happening. I still think push comes to shove. It's, it's right next to where they are now, better than any of these three sites, Kevin. Yes, Let me ask you. Y-
1: yes it is. Yes, it of course. is. Yeah.
2: Oh, there you go. These are their three sites, but, the, but, they're, and the but they're, stadium they're in but they're, right now gu- better.
1: But they're not going to get help from the state like they will from Virginia, from Maryland. Virginia's going to give them a, a billion dollars in tax credits. They're going to basically pay for a third of it. Well, we'll see. That's uh, what they say they're going to yeah, okay, do. No, we'll you're see. right. We'll see. I, I, I want to just take one yeah. step back. This is, there, there's another part of this, and that is – the documents which WUSA 9 agreed not to show but has permission to report are marked. This is one of those things where if you're the football team, I can't figure out whether or not maybe this was intentional to leak out there to see what the reaction would be, which, you know, that would be giving them a lot of credit. Um, yes, it would. But
2: Way b- too much credit.
1: But, but I could have told them what the reaction would be before that, or another misstep it's like look this has to be highly confidential and anything that's written down or discussed has to just remain site a site b site c you cannot put the locations on this we cannot leak this out i i
2: I know but it's not like it's not like three people knew about it i mean all the supervisors and elected officials in all these areas probably knew about this all cases wanted them that you're friends with or one of them that you work as a source, to say, okay, you can take a look at it. I mean, people do it. I'm amazed that people do it, but you can get people to do this. Okay, you can look at it, just keep my name out of it, you know? So I'll bet you there's probably 100 people that knew about this.
1: Um, there's a about li- Combined, okay. for all three oh, sites. Okay, fair enough. There's a line in here from Fairfax State Senator and Majority Leader Dick Sasslaw who wrote the stadium bill on the Senate side. Says he's been in communication with commanders, skins representatives, <laughs> Washington football team representatives. Quote, I think that they are leaning towards Prince William. Uh, that's the Dumfries thing, right? That's the Dumfries location. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, he did not specify if he believed the Woodbridge site or the Dumfries site was more appealing. Okay, Woodbridge is Prince William, I guess, as well. Look, here here's what I'm I'm getting at here. This is this would be a massive mistake for them. And and if they if they do this, I honestly I've already referred to this as the feel of an expansion team already with the new name and the new branding and the new uniforms and all of, all, all of the stuff. The new crest. Okay. It feels very expansion team ish to me. That's how it feels to me. And a lot of people. I mean, John Riggins said he feels disenfranchised now. Um and at this point, honestly, they should, I know they wouldn't want Dan to own the team, the first team in Europe. Like They want somebody competent to own the team that they would put in Europe for the first time. But if you believe that the NFL is eventually going to add a team in Europe or somebody's going to move to Europe and establish something there, God, I wish it were this team now and that they would just give us an expansion team immediately with a new owner who could get a stadium built you know, somewhere else, who could pay for the whole thing on their own downtown at the RFK site. I mean, this is, you, you talk about driving whatever chance you have at a new fan base away. Put it, by the way, let's, uh, we haven't even talked about this. It's not just that it's 35 miles and it seems a hell of a lot more than that, but I'll just go with, okay, it's 35 miles. That's 35 miles as the crow flies, as Tommy said. Anybody that knows that 95 or 66 mixing bowl area, you know, Newington Road and all these different places, this place is well past the mixing bowl area. It's the place that you're just sitting in traffic for hours. On Look, on a, on a, on a Monday night game, if you lived in D.C., if you lived in Northern Virginia in Fairfax, it's going to take you an hour to get there. If you live in PG County, it's two hours. Two hours to get there. This is stupid. That I know it really is. Somebody needs it, to just it, it, in that just meeting sense. say no, 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 no. These are these are non starters. The the Sterling thing would be a non starter for me. But at least Sterling, it's like okay, it's Dulles Airport. You know, it's like um, it, it's it's still within. You're talking about the, move it to Richmond at this point. Give Richmond the team. I, I, I'm I'm beyond. Why am I emotional about this? I'm really not. I, I'm fired up because it's another well, example I mean, of them being a, dumb. There's,
2: yeah, there's a level of frustration. Is, is, I mean, I mean, repeatedly they 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 show how how inept they are, how absolutely inept they are. You know,
1: it's like Again. it's like nobody yeah, making I decisions. Mean, nobody making decisions has any idea about the team about the team's history, about the team's former fan base. They've got all this data, too. You know, I've told you this before. They've, and and I, I believe this, that like, it's like 70% of their hardcore fan base doesn't even live in the DMV. This is, by the way, true. Like, it's... it's, it's what are the reasons for that? Well, this is a transient area, and people come and go. Two... There's always this feeling when people are from an area but end up living in another area. You know, you're from D.C., but you're living with your family in St. Louis and you're raising a family. There's like this source of pride to fly your, you know, your your flags that tell everybody in the neighborhood you're a DC resident. So here's the skins flag. Now it's the commander's flag and the caps flag and the Nats flag and the wizards flag and the whole thing. And they're not living the day to day pain um, of, of detail of how dysfunctional it's been for so long. We we've said many times that people that live outside of this area are much more likely to still have some passion for the team than people that live in the area, so they yes. don't, so they're not absolutely gonna, they're yes. not going to give a shit about the Prince William site.
2: No, 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 no. This is again. We're, they're still at the beginning, the beginning of a very long process. Now, supposedly they have to 2027 20, till their lease expires, but Peachy County and the state of Maryland—they're not going to kick them out off the land. Once the lease expires, they can extend the leases. So, I mean, but this, we're talking. There's, I don't think right now, unless they put it right next to where you know where I say they're going to put it or in the old stadium, they're never going to hit a 2027 20, uh, mark for this to be done. Well, they're well, they're they're way behind the process.
1: Well, do, don't on this. don't they have to break you know break ground like within a year for 2027 20, to be a possibility? Or am I exaggerating that?
2: I think so. I think so. They are so woefully early in this process. And it's uh, it's one of the – this is one of them. you know, it's ironic because uh, building a stadium is one of the most important things an NFL owner does as far as the league is concerned. And it's one of the hardest things to get right, you know, to do right uh, and and to have it done. And uh, it's amazing that they still put – that responsibility in the hands of this idiot
1: yeah i'm looking for by the way the list of counties that are actually I mean the Congress there, there, the Washington
2: there, there's members of congress that wants to pass now whether it'll be successful or not is a long shot i'm not saying they will but there's members of congress now that want to pass legislation to basically diminish the tax the tax breaks that, that NFL state owners get when they build stadiums. And the only reason they're doing this is because of Dan Snyder.
1: I know. I read that story the other day. It
2: doesn't matter if it happens or not. I know. It matters that the NFL has an owner who wants to build a stadium, and you've got the members of Congress that want to do away with the tax credits for any owner. Who wants to build the stadium?
1: I talked about this the other day. You're 100% right. This has been attempted before, and it failed. It doesn't matter whether or not it, it succeeds or not. It's another thing that Washington and Dan Snyder is, has created that has to annoy the hell out of the commissioner and the other 31 owners. It's like, Jesus, God what? almighty. What? I mean, here they go again looking into something. They actually want to eliminate subsidies for professional stadiums. They've gone through this before, but the latest impetus for this discussion is once again Dan Snyder.
2: Yes. Imagine how much better like and you know, NFL the NFL life is pretty good. I mean, again, you know, they're making reams of money. I mean, they're they're the top dog, and nobody's even a close second. But how much better would life be for Roger Goodell if the Patriots had been in Washington for the last twenty years <laughs> instead of New England?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, although you know, yeah. great market too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's not. It's it's not where all the lawmakers are. Um, no. Uh Yeah. Anyway, Dumfries. No offense. Uh, uh, It's one of my favorite things. No offense, which obviously means I mean to offend you. No offense. But Dumfries, I mean, come on. Seriously. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's a great place to be from and live. we
2: talked about before, and I harp on it. (laughs) Uh, They move this team over to Virginia. They'll raise the white flag for a lot of fans in Maryland and even D.C. And the Ravens will, 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 will pounce. On that opportunity, you know, remember what's the number one selling jersey in the state of Virginia?
1: Lamar Jackson, yes, I know. Um, I actually <laughs> think that if I were them and I were in one of these meetings, understanding a little bit about the Loudoun County demographics, uh, I would, you know, if I said that's the only place I, I again when when old Bill brought it up in the, in, the, in the meeting, I would say, Bill, thank you very much. Dumfries will not be actually uh, a location we're considering. I don't know if you've ever driven to Dumfries, but if there's traffic, it takes you like a half a day to get there. Um, but secondly, um, the Loudoun County thing, you know, Loudoun County is such a fast-growing affluent county, and I bet there's probably a case you could make for... Okay, the state's going to support us on this. They're going to give us all these tax credits that's going to equal basically a third of the funding of the of the building of this. There is so much land out here. There's an incredible opportunity to build uh, unbelievable residential and commercial around it. Um, And it's you know, it's a young and fast growing uh, county, which it is. You know, and we need to target a new fan base anyway. And by the way, not that people who live in Loudoun County aren't Redskin fans. I understand that they are. But, you know, any of those locations that are mentioned for right now, a big percentage of their paying fan base, which is in PG County, I think they're going to check out of this. I don't think they're coming over. Montgomery County, forget about. D.C., forget about. And as far as Dumfries and Woodbridge, I mean, people who live, like, in close – you know, Arlington, Old Town, um, and then in areas of, of Fairfax County, McLean and Reston, etc. it's a long hike for them, too. Yeah, but, And here's the thing Loudoun County uh, needs to ask. Nobody likes to
2: come to this point because for a lot of stadiums, the answer is the same thing on this. Everything you said about the attraction of the stadium is right. But Loudoun County officials, if they look at themselves in the mirror and they're being honest, they'll say to themselves, wouldn't all this happen here in Loudoun County even without the stadium? Right. You know, look, look, at, how, look at how the county economic development no, has taken off sure. without us lifting a finger. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it's true. Um okay. Uh there was a couple of other things I wanted to get to. Let me do this. Let me let me do this one thing real quickly before we get to um uh our last uh, break. So somebody sent this to me. Um it was a story on DraftKings Nation where they posted odds for Deshaun Watson's 2022 team. And apparently, and I haven't seen this anywhere else, okay? So take it for what it's worth. It, this could be made up for all I know, but I I had several people send this to me on Twitter. Deshaun Watson's current odds on DraftKings in terms of their next of his next team, the Commanders are plus 300 and the favorites, followed by the Bucks, Steelers, Saints, Vikings, Texans, Broncos, Seahawks, Dolphins. Um
2: I find it difficult to establish odds on this, until we know for sure if he's going to be charged with criminal crimes, with with criminal acts, and we won't know that until what April twenty second or something a- like that. A- April first, apparently. That's date.
1: April first is when the grand April jury, 1st? I think, will de- decide to either indict okay. him or not on on fe- on criminal okay. charges, felony charges. Um, which, of course, like I think most people would agree with this. If you're an NFL team, regardless of how quarterback desperate you are, you can't trade two first-rounders and your best player, let's just say, just hypothetical, to Houston for Deshaun Watson until you know if he's going to go to jail or not. I mean, I don't know that that's a real hard one. Like, even the dumbest teams in the league um, that want to take a big risk, you can't do that. Now, what Pro Football Talk reported yesterday, Mike Florio reported, is that several teams have already made the decision that they would trade for Deshaun Watson even if the civil cases weren't settled? But that's a big difference. Although, let me add to that because Neil and Rockville pointed this out civil trials, civil cases can reopen based on depositions uh, and statements, can reopen criminal proceedings. So just because the civil cases haven't been settled, it doesn't, or just because, I'm sorry, the the grand jury, let's say on April 1st, decides decides not to charge him with a crime. um, These civil cases, as they're getting settled, could produce something that could send it back for a judge to look at it to consider criminal charges. I think it's a really tough position right now you're in for Deshaun Watson, because if you're desperate, you're like, I've got to assess the odds that he's actually going to play football again. And if it's just civil cases – I can understand a team rolling the dice and saying, all right, we'll do it. We'll, we'll send you two firsts and, and our best player. Uh, and we think these things will get settled. And our, our attorneys and our due diligence tell us that, you know, he's going to admit wrongdoing or he's gonna, whatever he has to admit via, you know, some sort of settlement. Um, but he's going to be eligible after a six-game suspension, and then we get to Sean Watson at 26 years old, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, But you can't do that until you know that he's not going to be charged with a felony.
2: No, I don't think you can. And again, I still think even if you do have those questions answered, I don't think you can do it if you're this franchise. Not at least while the the congressional committee is investigating you.
1: It would be interesting. Um, It would be interesting. Uh, Last thing before we finish up the show with a couple of quick topics. Number one. Um, is that Diana Rossini was on my radio show this morning. Diana had put out a tweet yesterday that uh, that said that multiple teams have offers on the table for Aaron Rodgers. And so she came on the show this morning. Uh, I, I, I like Diana a lot, and, and, and she's always great on the air, and she's a very good reporter. As we know, she broke a hell of a lot of news when she was working here uh, in the market. Um, so I said, okay, so is one of those teams that has an offer on the table for Aaron Rodgers, Washington? And she said, no, they are not. They are not one of those teams that have offered or have a an offer on the table for Aaron Rodgers. And I said, well, why not? And she said two reasons. She went through a couple reasons. The first was DC Washington is not on Aaron's list. Aaron would not want to play in Washington. Um, that would not be a, a desired location for him. But number two is that Green Bay is going to, if they, if, by the way, she said Green Bay does not want to trade him to begin with. But she said if it came down to them needing to trade him, their, their, their preference would be to an AFC team. Now, none of this is like a major reveal here. But I know a lot of people who are listening said, so we haven't even tried for Aaron Rodgers and the answer is no, <laughs> according to Diane, Diana. That, but, but, but it could be, and I think it makes sense, that you know Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and, Aaron, and Ron Rivera, who have promised, by the way, a big swing, um, know that Green Bay is either not going to trade him, or if they do, they're going to trade him to an AFC team. They're not trading him within the conference. And by the way, D.C. is in a place where Aaron's going to get traded to. He'll, he'll just retire. You know, n- people say, well, Aaron doesn't have a no trade clause. No, he doesn't. But he can retire. He can say, if you trade me to that team, I'm just going to retire. So they can't trade. him. Yeah, so yeah. so he's got a de facto, you know, uh, no trade clause. So Aaron Rodgers is off the list. Um, she also said to me, she said, I, she goes, I don't think this has been reported. But one of the things he wants, he wants $50 million a year. Patrick Mahomes is the highest paid on an annual average at 45 million. Patrick Mahomes is 25 years old. You're not giving a 39-year-old quarterback who's going to play most of the time with you in his 40s 50 million a year. Are you? I don't think yeah. you are. I think he's going to get a massive yeah. extension. I can't imagine 50 million, and she said, "I th-, and she said, I think there would be a team." So I looked at it. If you're wondering, the bottom line is in the AFC, the teams with the most cap space that have the most need. Denver has the sixth most cap space. Remember this: if an AFC team pulls off a trade for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers wants Devonte Adams to go with him. Now, Green Bay could franchise Devonte Adams. But they want Devontae Adams to go with them. Denver's got a lot of room. Indy's got a lot of room. The Steelers have top 10 cap space. And then the Browns have the 12th most and the Raiders have the 15th most. Those are kind of the teams. Houston's got the 16th most. Now, obviously, you know, um, there'd have to be a whole lot of cap manipulation if they trade Watson to anybody let alone to Green Bay. Uh, The team that I, you know, a lot of people said, well, is he going to go to Tennessee? Tennessee right now is in a terrible cap situation. So I don't know that Tennessee can pull off a deal for both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. The other thing Diana told me, go ahead.
2: Well, the one thing I just want to point out, we don't even know who's going to own the team in Denver right now. Right. Uh, And that could have an impact on that kind of uh, transaction. The other thing is, boy, the Steelers, that sounds awfully awfully romantic to see Aaron Rodgers playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Um, yeah, the, th- the thing about um, – I think we've talked about this before. Man, the AFC is just loaded with quarterbacks. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he if, – let's just say he went to Denver. In the division, Mahomes, Herbert, and Derek Carr – if he goes to uh, Pittsburgh in the division, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, you know, you've already got obviously Josh Allen in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is the quarterback loaded conference. Right now in the NFC, yes, you've, got, it is. you've got Dak Prescott, and if Rodgers gets traded, uh, Russell Wilson. And Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, the other thing she said is she said in, t- in talking with people in Seattle, including players like Tyler Lockett, she doesn't think Russell Wilson's going to get traded. Um, so, uh, I finally just said, Well, what do you think? You know, what's your prediction? And she said, I just think that ultimately Washington's going to end up with a bridge quarterback. You know, which is kind of where we've all come to. You know, this combination of yeah. a Mitch Trubisky or a, Maris, a Marcus Mariota or maybe an Andy Dalton or Teddy Bridgewater, and then they'll draft somebody too. That's really the most likely conclusion to this. Let's talk some Doug Williams and what he said about Art Bryles. And uh, we had one other thing that we were going to talk about. I forget what it was, but we'll figure it out during the break right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Don't forget to uh, sign up with MyBookie at MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com. Use my promo code, KevinDC. They'll double your first deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks if you use my promo code. Lots of college hoops, lots of March Madness stuff coming your way. Uh, MyBookie offering basically $1,000 in free money uh, to gamble with. Um, you and I, I think, talked about it briefly before the show that we wanted to um, talk about this story. Art Briles the former Baylor football coach fired by Baylor by the way in 2016 after an external uh, external investigation, um, revealed that uh, there were several sexual assault accusations against football uh, players and football administrators, including Bryles, failed to report them. Uh, he denied at the time and has since denied that he was involved in any sort of cover up, but there were 17 women who reported incidents of assault, sexual assault, or sexual violence involving 19 football players, and that Bryles was informed of at least one of them but never reported reported it to local authorities as did other administrators. So he got fired and, um, you know, by the way, a brilliant offensive mind was the RG three coach at Baylor. Uh, art Bryles was hired yesterday to return to college football by grambling state university to be its offensive coordinator. The coach of the grambling team now is Hugh Jackson. Uh, actually, um, Doug Williams, you know, arguably Grambling's all-time greatest player, uh, and a two-time coach at Grambling, uh, was asked to comment on this, and Doug said the following: He said, "I don't know Art Briles. I've never met him in my life. But the situation—nobody else would hire him for whatever reason. I don't know why Grambling State had to be the one to hire him." So I'm not a fan at all. Asked whether he would continue to support the program, Williams said, "Oh no, I can't do that. No, no, no. If I support them, I condone it." Closed quote. You want to take the first shot at this one?
2: <laughs> you know, let me take, let me pick up my wiffle ball bat and and, and, and and take a swing at this one. I mean, is is it that is is he that oblivious? to the organization that he works for? I mean, to, to take a stand on sexual harassment and cover-ups uh, at his alma mater and still take a paycheck from the Washington Commanders? I mean, come on. It's a, this is so absurd. It's so Washington Commanders-like. <laughs> this is
1: so ridiculous. Don't say Washington Commanders-like. It, it sounds so stupid.
2: Well, I know. I, I have a hard time saying it. I really do. I mean, uh, but this is just ridiculous. I mean, Doug, Doug needs to, to to wake up, and I'm not going to say, "Yeah, I am." He needs to quit if he feels this strongly about about you know covering up sexual harassment. Then he needs to quit the organization that he's getting a paycheck for.
1: I mean, it's really kind of hard to disagree with that, uh, but. I am going to say this and I'm going to try to say it in the nicest way because I really do like Doug Williams. And I think Doug Williams has been, you know, used by this franchise in so many instances that I, I've been off put by, including by the way, on two two twenty-two. Uh, including, by the way, with the Reuben Foster situation when he was the one that had to take the bullets for it. I mean, we've seen this over and over again. And at the same time, by the way, I also want to acknowledge that the team has employed him for a long period of time in which he's you know he's received you know a, a income for it. and I'm not, i 'm not doug 's probably you know more than capable of of having worked somewhere else along the way. I remember, and I did hear this when Todd Bowles went to Tampa. Doug Williams really wanted to go with Todd Bowles to Tampa. I, I think Doug would love to get the hell out of this organization, Tommy. I really do. But you know, everybody needs an income. Everybody needs, um, you know, a, a way to you know support themselves and their family and everything else. And Washington has been offering that opportunity for to him for years. I think they, again, I think they've um, they've leveraged that relationship a bit too much. I think they have propped dug up to be something that he hasn't been. Uh, for a long time, uh, you know, for for that period of time when he had like essentially the title or the de facto title of of general manager, I don't think he was really making the football decisions. I think he was his input was valued, his input was was received, but he I, he's never had final say on football operations. And now, you know, he's kind of a senior guy um, working in player development. I think is his title. Um, I think he was oblivious to what this reaction could generate. Because in many ways, I think even though he played for this organization, won a Super Bowl with this organization, at various times has really been in love with this organization. I'm just guessing. I have no idea. But I bet you he feels kind of detached from the organization, even though he's employed by it. I'm not making an excuse for him. But what I'm saying is, it would not surprise me at all if he said this without even thinking about the organization that he works for and what the reaction to those comments might be. It, I'm not taking him off the I would the agree hook. with you. I just think that he was I, I, oblivious I, to this.
2: I, I agree with you. And it's a sad situation. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they did, they did use him. I'll never forget uh, where Doug Williams – uh, you know, told, was telling the Bruce Allen story about the Alex Smith trade, and uh, telling uh, Bruce said don't don't answer your phone, don't pick <laughs> up your phone. He was always, he was only the director of player personnel, I think, at the time. No, no, Bruce. the, so, the yeah, e- e-
1: EVP, executive vice president, I E-V-P, think, of player personnel. That's right. Yeah. Okay, okay. He had a much more so, elevated title. Uh, look, I don't think there's, I don't think
2: there's much Doug can do to diminish his status as an icon with this franchise.
1: No, he can't. I and don't he think deserved,
2: he can. And he, des- and he deserves that status, but this is another small embarrassment for him.
1: His title actually was Senior Vice President of Player Personnel um, from 2017 okay. to 2019, um, when he was told not to answer his phone because he didn't know yeah. about the trade that they were making for Alex Smith. The head coach didn't know it uh, either uh, at the time, Jay Gruden. Um, there's another part of this too, right? And that is, what if they do go after Deshaun Watson, <laughs> and he has said these things about Art Bryles. Um, Because I'll tell you what, well, you know what? They, what?
2: Th- th- then then Doug will have to stand up there and take the bullet for the team, like he's done before.
1: I know he will. It'll be it'll yeah. be him and Jason Wright probably up there answering all the questions because it won't be Dan or Tanya.
2: No, it won't be. It won't be Ozzy or Harriet.
1: And the the only other thing that I wanted to say about Doug's comments is he admits that he doesn't know anything about the situation. I just, <laughs> you know, I don't know Art, Art Bryles. I've never met him in my life. The situation, apparently nobody else would hire him for whatever reason. Like, I, I guess, I don't know, you probably before – somebody should have helped him with this. Somebody should have said, hey, Doug – Art Bryles just got hired. I don't know if you know about his history. Here's what it is. Wouldn't surprise me if you're going to get called to comment on this. You know, and if you do, and by the way, Tommy, let's think about this. If you were the PR person, how would you tell Doug to answer this?
2: You're right. You're right. No comment. (laughs) Listen, working for Dan Snyder is always having to say you're sorry.
1: Uh, no, I'm. J- but seriously, though, like, I think I think the answer is you tell Doug to say, I haven't really been following the story. I don't know a lot about Art Bryles. I know that there was an issue at Baylor. I'm going to look into it. Um and but I, I don't know I don't have enough now to comment on it. That would have been the first thing to just keep him at bay and and let the Art Bryles you know becoming the offensive coordinator you know simmer and let other people take some bullets for it you know and then answer it down yeah. the road. I think that would have been my first piece of advice. But then when they came back and asked him again, you know he could say I, I look he could say I looked into this. It, it didn't it didn't look great, but Art Bryles was, was very adamant that he was not involved in this cover-up at Baylor. They didn't believe him, um, but I do believe in second chances. And, you know, he, he ain't in jail, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, God. I know. Uh, lastly, on the show today, Greg Wyshynski, a guy that we like a lot, the longtime NHL writer – senior writer for ESPN, um, lives in the area, by the way, does a great job. One of my, he's an excellent radio guest. Uh, Greg is, he tweeted out the following yesterday. Um, by the way, the topic being, uh, Russia invading Ukraine, um, as we've all been, you know, paying attention to, uh, riveted by a lot of this stuff and Alex Ovechkin being, you know, a Russian player, a Russian superstar player and being a guy who's been very much a Putin supporter um, while uh, playing uh, professional hockey throughout his life. Greg Washinsky tweeted out the following, seeing a lot of Ovechkin shouldn't have to answer questions about Putin, and that's ridiculous. He campaigned for him. He always tried to have it both ways by being a hype man for Putin, but claiming it's not political. It is absolutely fair to ask him about Ukraine. Uh, did you see this or not? And
2: he puts in that, yeah, I did. I retweeted it, and I said this. Absolutely, I supported what Greg uh, tweeted. You know, and he also puts in hashtag Putin team. The name of the social movement started by Alex Ovechkin in 2017 to support Russian President Vladimir Putin. Basically, uh, you know, Ovechkin started an Instagram account that has over a million followers, uh, you know, to support out. Uh, you know, to support Putin. Right. So- and, uh, you know, he claimed, he claimed it was his own. Uh, you know, the reports were it was done by a, a Kremlin-supported PR firm. It was their idea. And the bigger picture is, and we just talked about this before off the air a little bit, of course he has to answer questions about this. I mean, come on, this is, you've got to be You really have to be naive to think that at least the questions have to be put to them. Do I expect them to know anything or to say anything that would be intelligent about it? No, because there's no real good answer for it at this point. What the problem is, is that we have never faced a situation like this in American professional sports, team sports. What do you mean? We've never had a situation where an American team sports superstar uh, would you know was close to uh, to uh, a dictator or a ruler uh, who right now uh, on the world stage is being ostracized for what he's doing in Ukraine in the Ukraine. I mean the whole the whole Soviet uh, player movement in the NHL for the most part pretty much happened after the Soviet Union collapsed
1: right of course
2: you know so 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 you know I mean, I, 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 this is going to be a dicey situation for Alex Ovechkin move fo- moving forward depending on what happens in, in Eastern Europe. I mean, if this thing escalates, uh, I mean, I, I see a scenario where he won't be able to play in the league anymore if it escalates.
1: Okay, I'll be, I, I, I want to come back to that one in in a second. So you think it's... Absolutely ridiculous about for, for anybody to say that Ovechkin shouldn't have to answer questions about Putin. I don't think I disagree with you. My question to you would be: What should Alex Ovechkin say? Well, no, let me back up. Have people been asking Ovechkin about Putin or not?
2: They have not had. They haven't had access to him, uh, as far as I can determine. They played a
1: game last uh, night. Nobody had access to him last night.
2: I don't. As far as I can determine, that's the case.
1: Do any of the other Capitals Russian players are are they uh, big Putin supporters or not?
2: Uh, I I don't know. uh, I don't know if they are or not. There's only one that started a social movement for him, though.
1: What would what would you suggest to Ovechkin when he gets asked about his support for Putin and what he thinks now? What would you suggest his answer be, or how should he handle that?
2: Well, I. uh, well, you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, there's no good answer for him because, I mean, you know, I mean, the human rights answer is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm offended and appalled by what he's doing in the Ukraine. But but then Alex Kovachkin has family in, in Russia, you know, uh, people who work for, for the Russian for Putin and the Russian government. Uh, would he be putting those people at risk by saying that? So there's really no good answer for him. But he made his own bed. You know, he could have just been a player that played, uh, from Russia, but no, he became a Putin puppet. So now he's going to have to answer for it.
1: So if this thing were to escalate and let's just say Putin, you know, you know, continues into Poland and it really does create, you know, everybody's worst fears where now all of a sudden it's NATO partners and everybody's involved and it really escalates, um, um, were then by the way at war the country is yes, uh, but
2: that's a nato ally
1: so um, you know things like the nhl become less significant to begin with but you think yes. that if that were to happen what, what, what how would i mean they wouldn't set up intern you know internment camps for russians in the united states right so but no. what, what do you think no, no, they what, wouldn't. What, what, what do you think would happen do you, th- you think that the NHL would say, Alex, you've got to go home? Would he, ha- would he, would he get deported? I'm, I'm I think he'd get banned. He would get banned Look, from the like NHL. you just
2: pointed out. What if, I think you just pointed out. We used to put people in World War II. I understand that. We put people I mean, in concentration camps. Okay, in, in, I'm not saying, internal, but I'm just internal pointing internal out that is. The, yeah. Right, right. But that is illustrative of the kind of sentiment that can foam when when you have a war, and you're going to have a Russian superstar in the nation's capital, no less.
1: It's as odd. A it, year, would be, as, as it would one be. It would be
2: Franchise icon. Imagine imagine <laughs> no. they win
1: imagine they win the cup as Putin's rolling yes. through Poland and 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 Ovechkin's drinking from Stanley Cup, all hammered down in Georgetown yes. and Adams Morgan again. Um <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I don't think we're going to see that scene again. I think I think if 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 this escalates to certainly to the point that you illustrated, I think Alex Ovechkin is done as an NHL player.
1: What but about I, what about Russian players who are not Putin's supporters?
2: Well, I think I I think uh I don't know. I don't know. I have no answer for that
1: one. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know the answer. You, you, so you're telling me that never in the history of American sports. I mean, I'm trying to think. Sports. Well, obviously, you know, in World War II, it was baseball and that was it. Were there any German or Japanese baseball players that were or, – or Italian baseball players? Were there any Mussolini or Hitler supporters playing Major League Baseball or, or jockeys no, riding horses no. or, or boxing? Because no. those were the sports, basically. Was red was red Grange was red Grange a German? I don't know. (laughs) Um, What what no? Actually, what about what about all of the Serbs that were playing in the NBA in the nineties? When what's his face? um, uh, Milosevic. That was a
2: civil war, Kevin. uh, That's true. That was a civil war. That's true.
1: Uh, But you know, but yeah. That, that we were involved in we were invo- we were, we were more involved in that at this point than we are in, in this particular yes, we situation
2: so yes we were because we weren't about the weren't worried about the Serbs or Croatians dropping a nuclear bomb on fair. us. that's fair
1: so yeah but there were <laughs> but there were major atrocities by uh, by that time it was Milosevic. Yes, were. It, it, it was Milosevic yes, that was it, his name right terrible. and so uh, like um, Vlade Divac... He was a player in the NBA. He was Serbian.
2: Kevin, people, some people smarter than me have equated the possibility of this equivalent to what the world uh what what started in 1939 when when the Germans started September, their
1: war. September 1st 1939. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I know.
2: Right. I'm not saying well, that, but, but it's yeah. been
1: discussed. But... I, I, I'm okay. Remember, so, I so... have all this time to read and watch. I've been reading and watching everything. I, know, I, know. <laughs> 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 I mean, there are people that say, say that the next step is basically, you know, September 1, 1939, uh, in March of 2022, the invasion of Poland. You know, and and if that happens, obviously, you know, it, uh, September 1st, 1939, did not get us into the war. Obviously, there was no NATO at that point. No. Um, uh, December 7th, 1941, got us into the war. But this would create, you know, I've heard the descriptions many times and read them many times. This would be World War Three. It's so, it's it's a fascinating time. The Ovechkin thing is. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can't, if we are at war, if we're at war with Russia, I don't think you can have a Putin apologist and supporter uh, being, you know, the face of one of your NHL franchises. I don't think that can happen. You
2: know, a couple of blocks from the White House, no less. No, you can't do it. So somebody... Hopefully, uh, are the hopefully... Ca- listen, right. hopefully none of this will get to this point.
1: Are they, uh, Well, of course not.
2: That, at, this point, of course. at this point, Ovechkin will just have to be uncomfortable, and then things will go no further.
1: Okay, I had a, a friend no. of mine just say to me, do you think there's any chance Putin just might look at what's going on and the reaction mm-hmm. to him and just say, you know what, I fucked up, I'm sorry, everybody come back home. <laughs> um, I said, no, I don't think the chances are very high of that. What do you think – do you think the – do we, do we know anything about Ovechkin's availability to the media? Are the Caps keeping him from the media? They, they played a game last night. You know, it was their first game since, you know, the break, right? Um, they lost to the Rangers, I think. I think they lost to the Rangers. Sorry. I'm just not a big regular season hockey person. I was watching basketball last night. Gonzaga, by the way, is fun to watch. Tommy, oh, my God, your favorite player in the country – will be Chet Holmgren, a center for Gonzaga, a seven-footer who's... I've watched him. Okay. I've watched him. All right. you right. Should... I've watched him play. You're right. He's You're absolutely right. Now, he does shoot threes. That's a problem for you. I know. But my God is he's skilled from everywhere on the floor. And he's seven he feet, and I don't even think he's 200 pounds. Um, But the... uh, But... but, but the, do you think, like, if you're the Caps PR, are you keeping Ovechkin and Kuznetsov? And I don't know who the other Russian players are. Are you keeping them from talking to the media?
2: Well, so far, they have not talked to the media from what I can gather. Mm-hmm. At some point, you would think they're going to have to.
1: Are there any are there any Ukrainian players on their team? Because they're Ukrainian basketball players. Alex Len, who played at Maryland, you know, there's a big story about how his teammates were – you know, you know, really uh, incredibly supportive of him um, over the last twenty-four yeah. hours. Maryland uh, has a player on its bench who's Ukrainian. Lots of Ukrainian basketball players.
2: I know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know, but uh, but to dismiss it as Ovechkin, you know, it, it shouldn't be asked these questions. Is is childish? Well, it's it's like it it's like. Uh, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, I forget the name. Jesus, forget it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to know that you're pro-First Amendment, um, and we should be able to ask as a, <laughs> as a free press any questions uh, we want to ask. Um, all right, anything else? The Doug Williams thing, actually. I nothing else. Can I just tell you something, the Doug Williams thing? It kind of makes me sad for Doug Williams. I, I, I just feel like somebody should have – been there to say to him hey you might get asked about this let's talk about this but no one in the building would have thought about it and I don't even yeah. know that Doug was near the building doesn't mean that it, you know he couldn't have been contacted um, but I I think he answered that question oblivious to what the reaction would be and not even thinking about his employer I don't even know like I, I've had this feeling for a couple of years when someone told me that You know he would have he would have gone back to Tampa in a heartbeat with Todd Bowles there if there had been an opportunity just to get the hell out of this organization. Um, But anyway, uh, okay, Uh, we're done for the day. Uh, And Tommy is uh, Tommy's so accommodating. He was going to take two days off next week um, because he's you know visiting all of those statues and bridges and different things. But he said, well, I'm not going to be traveling on Monday. Why don't I do the show on Monday? And I said, let's do it. So, Tommy will be with me on Monday, and we'll talk about whatever happened over the weekend. And hopefully the world is a safer place on Monday. Um, That's what we're all praying for. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.